you in the name of all that is good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. Thank you, beautiful, beautiful as all. Flow through me, flow through me, please flow through me. So today I am talking about the power of spirit and how that power transforms our lives when we become aware of it, learn to, to channel it, listen to it, and follow spirit's call. But before we get too deeply into this, I want to emphasize that the awakening awakening to spirit is a process. And it doesn't really matter where you are in that process. There's no failure. There's no better or worse. And in many ways, we are all beginners. We learn one thing, we get through something, and then we start over, and we're learning another thing. And just because a person's been on a spiritual path for a long time, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're advanced. It just means that they've had more practice. I mean, we call it spiritual practice for a reason. Right? Accepting yourself at each point in your travels is the highest honor you can give yourself. It is also the highest honor you can give to others as you recognize in their process. Now, in a moment, I'm going to have, have something come up on the screen. And it's a cartoon by, from the strip called Bizarro, and I found it on their Facebook page. And this is a prime example of how each person moves at their own pace. Christina, please. The first day of Zen Garden School. You know, what else is there to say about that, actually? Um, You know, but it's like I have days like this, you know, still. I've been doing this for almost over 40 years. And I think this is such a great example, not only of what it's like when we're starting, but this is where we kind of go in and out of this, right? I'm going to, oh, I think I'm just going to make sand angels today. I can't do anything else. Or um, I'm going to go, you know, there's the, the, I love the, the person uh, digging for the treasure. And of course, the master over there, like. <laughs> I do that, you know, I have days when I'm doing that, and I'm probably doing it more about myself than anything else. Thank you, Christina. But this image, it just says so much, you know. We have a lot to learn, and we get distracted, and we can still have fun. So what is spirit, and how does it transform us? Last week, or actually this week, I recorded a podcast with John Merriman, um, and we called it, Who is God Anyway? 
Now, this was a topic that John wanted to talk about because he comes out of a very rigid Christian upbringing, and he has been on a quest to discover what God really means to him or who God is. And he said that he finally came to the conclusion very recently that God is our potential. God is what and who we can be. And when I heard him say the word potential and as another name for God, I thought about how we use the word spirit for God. And so, of course, I had to investigate what other people had to say about this. Charles Fillmore says, spirit is a name for God. It is synonymous with one mind. He also says that spirit is the breath of life of all creation. And I love this idea. The concept of breath as holy is a constant in most religions. Spirit is the breath of life. In Latin, spiritus means breath or wind. The Hindus have prana, breath. In fact, prana is one of their uh, three, main, the three main pillars of Hinduism. The Sikhs, the Maori, the Christians, you name the religion and you will find that breath equaling spirit is there. Many, you know, and many religions incorporate yoga into their practice. And yoga really is breathing. The movements, that's good for your body, but yoga is about the breath. And now I'm going to try to pronounce a word, so just bear with me. In Hebrew, roch is breath or wind or spirit. You'll just find it everywhere. Rabbi Arthur Waskow puts it this way. Spirituality is what celebrates the interbreathing that connects all of life. And then he has this great example of how we breathe oxygen and exhale carbon dioxide while the trees are breathing the carbon dioxide and exhaling oxygen. We are together in this. Everything on this planet is interdependent through breath. We are interdependent on each other, our pets, our world, through our breath. Now here's something else to think about. Breathing is not voluntary, folks. <laughs> As an experiment, I've tried to stop breathing. Now, <laughs> it's not that I will try to hold my breath and see how long I can hold it, but in that meditative point where you just suspend your breath, I don't work at it, and I just wanted to see what my body would do. And I can only do it for a very short time until my body takes over and breathes. And that experiment is what proved to me in my own mind that my body breathes me. I don't breathe, which means spirit is breathing us. You know, we're going to breathe no matter what, which is actually pretty cool because otherwise we might get distracted and forget and well, oops. <laughs> okay, so if breath is spirit, that means what? We are never without spirit. We are never separated from spirit or God or whatever we call that energy. And yet we are still need to find ways to expand our awareness of this magnificent energy flowing in and through us. Spirit of breath is the unifying factor, I think, honestly, of all religions and spirituality. And yeah, we take our breath for granted. It just is happening. 
It's always with us when we're alive. You know, and I am sure that people who have respiratory distress are probably a bit more conscious of the vitalness of breath, and yet I wonder how many of any of us really think about our breath. Every breath is a holy experience. It is a spiritual experience. And it's when we tune into our spirit or our breath that we become more aware of what, again, Charles Fillmore describes, and I love this, as thoughts that evolved independently of reasoning. And you think about that you know, when you're in that breathing and then it just comes in. It's like, I wasn't even trying to think of that and it's just there. In other words, when we go beyond thought, energies and ideas flow into and through us. And just think about that power behind all of this breathing. We can't stop it. It, it just is. So we are always spirit-filled. And think about how powerful your breath really is, how expressive it is. Just a sigh can carry a huge message. You sighed. What's going on? No, I didn't. Yes, you did. You sighed. <laughs> Those people who've had been in relationships for a while know what that one is. It's like, what was that about? You sighed. There's all of that, all of that energy just in a sigh. We speak, we sigh, we sing. We cry, it's all breath. Our breath is our spirit. And it's how we express our holy selves in this world. I mean, consider the times when you are fully aware of the holiness flowing through you. And we all have those moments. We feel it, we know it, we revel in it, we see it happen. And sometimes it's really big and dramatic and sometimes it's quiet and simple. Like last week, I recorded a different podcast, and I, I, I called it Celebrate Your Discomfort Zone. And in this podcast, I used a quote that I had come across somewhere talking about how we really don't learn very much unless we stumble once in a while. That stumbling is actually a good thing. And not two hours later, in the production meeting, we read the Daily Word, and it was exactly the same topic, and it even used the word stumble. In fact, it was so close to what I had, had recorded, I could have used it as the blurb for the podcast. Now, this happens quite a lot in my life, and you would think I would be used to it by now, but that just blew me away. The alignment of conscious and unconscious in that moment was astounding. You know, and we, I see it up here on the platform all the time. We know the theme for the, the week. We know what the music is. I know what James's talk is. And then I go off and write a meditation on my own, or Janae does. You know, the talk gets written. Paula's doing her thing. But we're not talking to each other about it beyond just that general, this is what we're doing. And it's amazing how many times we all get up and say almost exactly the same thing in the same wording. That is our breath. That is spirit working through us. Okay, so now we have an idea of what we're talking about by what we mean by spirit. Let's talk about transformation for a moment. Now, transformation can be a change in composition or structure. It can be a change in your outward appearance. And of course, it can be, and well, probably most importantly, transformation could be a change of character or condition. Now, most of us, I would guess, don't step into a spiritual path thinking, I'm going to completely transform my life overnight. Most of us are simply looking for a way to support ourselves on the way to improving our lives. 
It's only when we get a few spiritual ideas under our belts that we decide we should be making more progress or we decide we're doing something wrong because all of a sudden we haven't suddenly and immediately transformed our lives in some myth, into some mythical ideal. We don't even get that until we start on the, on the path. And I call this the road to Damascus syndrome. Saul's conversion was instant and dramatic. I mean, he was thrown to the ground for heaven's sakes. Personally, I would opt for not being thrown to ground, but that's just me. But keep in mind that Paul still had challenges in his life. He may have come from a different perspective after that, and he worked from spirit within. But most of us don't have those kinds of sudden experiences. So how does transformation work? Willingness helps. It's like the old joke that says, how many psychiatrists does it take to change a light bulb? <laughs> Only one, but the light bulb has to really want to change. <laughs> so when you begin your path, you might even say, I don't really need to change, I'm okay, my life's okay. But if you feel pulled or called or attracted to a spiritual path, this path or any other ones, what we teach or what anybody else teaches, there's an impulse within you that is calling for transformation of some sort. And this is the where the power of spirit and transformation come together. We know and feel spirit moving in and through us. And transformation is the worldly manifestation of that impulse. Again, Charles Fillmore says, the breathing of the manifest person corresponds to the inspiration of the spiritual person. Our breath. Now you might notice I'm, I'm quoting Charles Fillmore quite a lot. I did some research, and some quick research, and I found that almost all religions, or most religions, are talking about breath in this way. And so they're all saying almost the same thing. And Charles Fillmore is right at my fingertips, and so I just go for his quotes. And of course, he studied the Eastern religions very deeply. And so I know what he's bringing to us is a general overall idea. So what the idea of breathing as the manifestation of spiritual inspiration tells us is that, yes, our thoughts and words and actions are vitally important. They're how we manifest our material world. It shows us that our awareness of spirit, God, the force, is not something outside us that we need to call in. There is great energy flowing in and through us at all times, and it is our job to consciously direct that energy. And we direct that energy, we direct spirit with our words, our thoughts our actions. Now, it's not as if we're telling God what to do. We are merely directing that pure energy. We are directing spirit. Now, we're always directing spirit. It's more a question of whether we are directing it consciously or unconsciously. When conscious and superconscious blend, that is when you really experience that descent into you of the spirit energies. You become fully aware of your potential and you become a conscious co-creator instead of an unconscious, unaware co-creator. Co-creation is not God sitting up on a cloud, weaving that special rug for you while you're down here saving money to buy it and moving the furniture around to make room for it. 
Co-creation is spirit, holy energy flowing into you. It is inspiration. It is you directing that inspired energy out into the world. And as you practice, you too change. It may be big changes, but more likely it's subtle changes. And there's sometimes there's a change that you only note kind of after the fact. You might sit up one day and go, wow, you know what? I don't think I really enjoy watching violent negative movies anymore. I haven't watched one in three weeks. You weren't, you know, you, you weren't conscious of that. It's just, you just realized that you were moving away from that. Back in my early days of this practice, I was in my mid-20s, a man came to me at church one day and he said, well, I know I'm on this spiritual path now and I know I should stop drinking wine, but I like my nightly glass of wine. I didn't ask him how many of those there were. And, he, and then he said, there's some other things they need to change. And I don't remember what they were, but he was, he was so focused on that. And I said, you know, we don't tell people what to do around here. No one here is going to ask you to change those habits. But it is not unlikely that as you continue to study and meditate and expand your consciousness, that some of those things will just naturally drop away from you. You may simply lose interest or maybe even forget to do them. This man was really worried about making those external changes to his life. And the reality is, is that there were already interchanges happening for him. And he was starting to feel that impulse, that nudge of spirit to change some outward behaviors. External change is good, but it's not permanent until the inner changes settle in. This makes me, this got me to thinking about those makeover shows on TV. Now, I am not a reality show watcher, but I have, you know, seen little blips and pieces of someone doing a makeover, and men and women both do this. They cut their hair, they up the wardrobe, they do all of these external changes. And sometimes a person will say that that makeover completely changed their life. The truth is more likely that they were already feeling spirit moving in them and they wanted to affect that change in their personal life. And that impulse and that makeover were the blending of the conscious and the superconscious, and it became the makeover became the physical manifestation of that interchange. And I suspect some people just went right back to their old life. But that's such a great example of how that could work. The changes that we encounter as we walk the spiritual path can be interesting, they can be fun, and they can be challenging, all the things that we saw in our cartoon. As you move along your spiritual path, also, your circle of friends may change. This is not uncommon. And that's usually a gradual change, and sometimes it happens swiftly. When I first got into uh, the New Thought teaching, there were a couple of people who really couldn't handle my, the way I was changing. Now, it wasn't that I was pushing my religion on them. I wasn't asking them to come join me so we could go save the world or anything like that. <clears throat> I just was choosing, making different choices in my life. And it made them very uncomfortable. And so eventually, we parted ways. And most often, it is a gentle moving away. Your interests change. You spend more time with people who think the way, more the way you're maybe learning to think. 
And that's all okay because you're changing on the inside. We gradually move from making sandcastles and sand angels to working and living from the inside out. And it doesn't mean that we don't go back to that on occasion. We come and come in and out of it and you know, go in and out of that. But we do become less distracted. And we find an easier way of being in the world. When we become conscious of spirit, the breath of life, as the indwelling energy and impulse of our very being, and learn to direct that energy, we co-create and transform our personal lives. When you transform your personal world, everyone, and I mean everyone you encounter, will pick up something from you that will change them, however minutely, and then they will pass it on. That's what the transforming power of spirit does. It flows through us, and it changes the world one heart at a time. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life Center